Welcome, everyone, back to BAM's radio here in New Month. It's already hard to believe. February the 1st, 2018, signing day just six days away as the Alabama Crimson Tide looking to finish off their recruiting class very, very strongly with this new uh, coaching staff uh, that's been being put together by Nick Saban. Uh, as we've gone over uh, with you on this program, uh, a lot of new faces, a lot of new blood uh, coming in to work on this coaching staff and try to defend uh, this national championship and uh, try to win the, the unbelievable sixth in 10 years uh, under Nick Saban. Uh, but they have been grinding on the recruiting trail. I think Coach Saban felt like uh, his coaching staff that uh, finished the season, uh, that uh, they did win a national title, but I think he felt like some of the uh, coaches that were left in place were a little bit complacent and not recruiting to his standard. Now we know Jeremy Pruitt has moved on to Tennessee uh, and everyone wishes him all the luck in the world. He did an outstanding job. Uh, for the University of Alabama uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and staying focused on the task at hand and helping them win a national title. Uh, but now he has moved on to the Vols, and we know uh, that uh, Derek Ansley has moved on to the Oakland Raiders to work for John Gruden, who's back in coaching, back in Oakland for the first time since the early 2000s. Uh, and, so, uh, and, we've, uh, and we've also seen uh, uh, some movement with the offensive coordinator. We know Brian Dable has moved on to the Buffalo Bills now. Well, they signed Kirk Cousins. Uh, they, they, you know, they, right now Tyrod Taylor is their incumbent starting quarterback. But I don't think anyone would be surprised if the Buffalo Bills make a move. But Alabama is certainly making a lot of moves on the recruiting trail, and we'll talk about it a lot tonight on this uh, Bams Radio. As always, I'm with the, my compatriots, Watts, the Wizard behind the curtain, my co-host and producer. He's with us tonight, and our third amigo, William Redfish Barger. Uh, 1992 national champion and with the tide from 89 to 93 and still very close to that program uh, that he suited up for. Uh, well, William, uh, welcome back to BAMS radio tonight. How are you doing? Drew, I'm doing great. I'm uh, enjoying probably the last uh, mild night before the, the cold weather gets back in here to Birmingham, sitting out on the patio, got the fire pit going, got the grill going, uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, another good BAMS episode with you and Thomas. Absolutely, and uh, you know this is. I, I know we every every time uh, we followed Nick Saban, uh, starting all the way back in 2007, it's always been uh, very interesting to follow the roller coaster of recruiting. Starting in 08, I mean, it, it set off an unprecedented run, much like the national championships on the field. Alabama has brought in on most seasons, in some cases, seven years in a row, the number one class in the country. Uh, it's really been a run that no one's seen in the business, uh, and now. Uh, you know, that string could be coming to an end, uh, but still a very good group. I think a top three class nationally at worst for Alabama that we're going to see them sign uh, this coming Wednesday. But I will say, unlike a lot of years, uh, there's usually two or three spots uh, where you felt like, a, you know, there were some things that going, you may be some factors in play. This year, it seems uh, to be even harder to predict uh, this final eight. And after this first year of the early signing period, uh, just uh, your thoughts on where Alabama stands uh, is uh, they they uh, they have a you know a guy like Bobby Brown committed, but he could be visiting Texas A&M this weekend. I know they'd like to get him back on campus at Alabama, but uh, these last eight spots, uh, it's been really interesting. It seems to change on an hourly basis what this Tide staff may do. Well, it always does, Drew. And that's that's something that hasn't changed, you know, since 2008 with, with Nick Saban's staff. You know, they have a 7:30 a.m. recruiting meeting every Monday morning, and you know that recruiting board gets shuffled um, 
you know, in September, you know, it doesn't get shuffled as much as it does this time of the year. Um, you know, especially with, you know, the, the staff losing, you know, some valuable time, um, you know, once the dead period was lifted in December, um, you know, they were preparing for, you know, a playoff appearance versus Clemson. And then obviously that carried over, you know, into the national championship game versus Georgia. And, you know, they, they always seem to, you know, kind of scatter out after whenever the final game is, you know, like a bunch of ants when an anthill has been kicked over. And, you know, that's kind of been um, played out even more with all the, the new coaching hires that Nick Saban has made. You can kind of see, um, you know, what he's setting up. Um, you know, hiring guys like Pete Golding, um, you know, preparing to go down to Louisiana, Mississippi, over into Houston, Texas, um, you know, into the 2019 class, um, you know, to, to raid those areas. And, you know, I think he's done, you know, a phenomenal job, just like he always does. Um, and, and seeing uh, not only what he needs to do, you know, it, it's almost like the, the coaching decision that he made, um, you know, in the national championship at get, you know, game at halftime and, and making the decision to insert Tua Tungabaloa into the game as the quarterback, um, you know, the, the minute that game was over with, he shifted into recruiting mode and has made a bunch of good coaching hires. I'm, I'm really excited, you know, about the guys that he's brought in. And, you know, th there's only so much you can do, um, you know, in the month of January when you've got, you know, three to four weeks left before National Signing Day to make an impact on some people. But, you know, the, I think that national championship game, especially the second half, um, certainly impacted a lot of recruits. And I think you'll see that play out into dividends for Nick Saban on national signing day, um, you know, next Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a very promising finish. And uh, I think Alabama, they've, especially with a rejiggered staff, I think they've hit the ground running. Uh, you know, they haven't announced officially the offensive coordinator, we believe strongly. Uh, that's going to be Mike Loxley. Uh, and then uh, Dan Enos, very excited about that hire. And now, he, while it hasn't been officially announced by Nick Saban, he has certainly been seen in Tuscaloosa. Uh, he was with Brock Purdy and his family last week as Brock Purdy came in. Uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts, too, uh, on Brevin White, uh, the quarterback commitment. Uh, he, he's committed to Princeton. Uh, he's been committed there since July. He visited this past weekend uh, from Lancaster, California. Uh, I keep thinking by the end of this week, and maybe we know something by tomorrow, that uh, that he will announce whether he is sticking with Princeton or coming to the University of Alabama. But I will say the interesting part since we last spoke, William, uh, on BAM's radio last week is there seems to be a, you know, a growing feeling that it's not necessary that they may take a quarterback. I know there's a lot of talk that Jalen Hurts could transfer in the summer, but right now, uh, you know, it's not a hundred percent certainty that they'll take a QB. Uh, they could still take Brevin White or Brock Purdy, but that, I, that doesn't seem to be as definitive as maybe a few days ago. Well, you know, I'll tell you what I know, Drew, is, you know, uh, the white kid from California has the green light to commit if he wants to. Um, I'm like you. I think you might see some finality come in, in, in that area. I, I would be shocked if it – you know, I, I think it probably will happen tomorrow. I'd be shocked if it goes beyond, you know, lunch on Saturday on what his final decision is. But I, I, I do know that, 
he has the green light to commit. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, moving parts with, with the rest of, of this recruiting class. You know, we talked about this uh, probably back around the, the Iron Bowl, certainly, you know, going into the Clemson game, you know, that there was a, you know, a, a pretty good chance that Vernon Jackson was not going to be a part of this class. Um, I still think that's in play. Um, you have to look at, you know, what Clay Wa- uh, Clay Walker has done. Um, I don't expect him to be a part of Alabama's class. Um, you know, I think Alabama's done a really good job of trying to get J.J. Uh, Peterson back in the fold, but I expect him to, uh, you know, stick to his commitment to Tennessee. Um, so when you start looking at, you know, if you're playing with, you know, eight or nine numbers and you start looking at it, um, to me, I, I, I do think they're going to take, you know, a quarterback, whether it's White or Purdy. Um, I think they're going to take one quarterback. Um, it's going to be Jalen Waddle and, and Ross at wide receiver. Um, it would not surprise me if there is not another offensive lineman, uh, you know, taken. Um, and then you shift over to defense. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, there's some nervous moments going on with Bobby Brown visiting Texas A&M and uh, Malik Langham visiting Auburn. But I expect both of those guys in this class. And I think where the, you know, the final parts of this class exist is on the back end of the defense with, you know, guys like Patrick Sertain, uh, Tyson Campbell, Eddie Smith, you know, the, the Taylor Stewart kid. Um, that, that's where I think the, um, the final three pieces are probably going to come from is back there on the DBs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting if Brevin White decides to flip to Alabama. Uh, my only take is this. It's a numbers game at quarterback, though, and I'm not discounting the ability of Brevin White or Brock Purdy, but we know if, if Tua uh, Tonga Vailoa is as good as we believe he is and you know what we saw in the national championship game, if he's the starting quarterback, at least for the next two seasons, uh, that the, the quarterback in this class likely uh, isn't going to play uh, much, if at all. Though you have to also uh, take into account, again, what we talked about, Jalen Hurts could transfer at some point. And then uh, Mac Jones. We all believe Mac Jones is an outstanding prospect. Uh, but uh, all QBs want to play. And while we believe Mac will be here uh, for this next coming season, uh, there's no guarantees, William, going forward uh, that Mac would be here uh, after 2018 if Tua Vailoa has uh, maybe a, a breakout type year and uh, and uh, uh, entrenches himself at quarterback for Alabama. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of moving parts there, Drew, with what you're talking about. Um, you know, you have to kind of uh, you know look at things, and I, you know, I'm in, I'm I'm on board with you as far as you know, I would be surprised after coming out. What, what I think is going to happen is is you'll see that quarterback job open up. Um, it's going to be an honest competition between Jalen Hurts and, and Tua Tungavaloa. I would be surprised if Tua does not win that job um, coming out of the A-Day game. I think it's, you know, what, April 21st this year. Um but, you know, I think a lot of people have, have kind of hit the, the panic button as far as Jalen transferring. And, you know, I really don't know if that's going to happen or not. You know, does, you know, Nick Saban bring him and his parents in? 
and maybe try and educate them on, you know, here's the two different career paths for Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, do you want to have a chance to play quarterback somewhere else, or do you want to learn another position here at Alabama? Um, and, you know, where, where you're already entrenched after two years and, you know, let us teach you another position where you might possibly have a, you know, a chance at an NFL career. Um, or, you know, does Jalen Hurts tell Nick Saban, guess what? Um, I want to be a coach like my father. If that's the career path, what better place for Jalen Hurts to learn how to be a coach than to stay at Alabama and, you know, have Nick Saban's stamp of approval on his resume. Um, you know, I can see a lot of different directions with that, but I think that that final one that I just talked about is something to pay attention to. Um, so, you know, Nick's got a, a philosophy of wanting to sign one quarterback per recruiting class. So that's where we're at, you know, with the, the, the Brevion white, you know, uh, Purdy debate. Um, we'll see how that plays out. I, I think that, um, you know, White is probably going to try and do something in the next, you know, 24 to 36 hours. I would be surprised if he doesn't commit to Alabama. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of speculation out there about what, you know, Jalen Hurts' future plans are. And, I, you know, I would be a little bit slower um, to, you know, not hit the eject button because, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of serious conversations with him and his parents as to, you know, you are not being projected as having um, a future in the NFL as a quarterback. You know, we can probably find something, um, you, you know, for you to do at that level. Um, but but I, I still, in the back of my mind, I think that Jalen Hurts' ultimate goal is to one day become a high school or college football coach just like his father is. And that's why I think, Ultimately, he might decide to stay at Alabama, uh, you know, ride out the, the second-team quarterback position, um, or he might have a role, which I, I expect him to, uh, especially in the red zone, um, where he decides to say, you know what, say, this is the best place for me to, um, you know, build my career if I want to be a, a football coach. And that would certainly uh, set Alabama up very nicely to have someone with the numbers and the experience of Jalen Hurts should he decide to stay uh, at Alabama uh, and uh, maybe become maybe a Swiss Army knife type weapon. And as you said, perhaps think about going into coaching. His brother has uh, gone into coaching since, uh, you know, uh, playing quarterback yep. at uh, Texas Southern as well. So uh, it's kind of a coaching family uh, with Hurts and a football family. So we will definitely see kind of where that goes from here. Uh, and what happens. But uh, I guess before we uh, continue to break down uh, how this could finish this class, uh, Brevin White, I watched his film, uh, definitely a pro-style QB, uh, pretty impressive. Uh, your thoughts on what you've seen of the young man, uh, should he decide to pull the trigger for Alabama? Well, you know, I think the first thing you have to talk about, Drew, is, you know, what Princeton is trying to sell him on. And that's the... Um, you know, the magnitude of, a, of an Ivy League degree. You know, I think it's pretty obvious the kid wants to be a financial manager at some level, um, you know, once college is over with. And, you know, certainly, you know, going up there to New York and going to Princeton, 
um, leads to, um, you know, a good career post-football. But, you know, I know a lot of former Alabama football players, you know, John Parker Wilson, uh, Corey Reamer, uh, you know, some personal friends of mine that are over in Alabama working in the, uh, the Wells Fargo network um, that, that make a six-figure income uh, because they played football at Alabama and they've gotten put in the right, you know, places and positions, um, you know, in the financial world. Um, you know, this isn't 1980 where, you know, going to Princeton, you know, guarantees you making a certain income coming out of college. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's a, a argument to be made that, you know, he could make a six-figure income, uh, you know, coming, you know, from California to Tuscaloosa, and, you know, getting, you know, hooked up with a lot of these people that are already in the financial management business. Um, but, you know, I think the, the, the ultimate thing that, you know, keeps coming back to me is, you know, Nick Saban's um, insistence on signing, you know, one quarterback per recruiting class. And I think that's still in play, um, you know, with the 2018 recruiting class, whether it's White or, you know, Brock Purdy, I, I do think, that one of those positions are going to be taken as a quarterback. And William, I've got to ask you this. Uh, also make another point. Uh, I know two guys that are making uh, really good money and now working together as he's come uh, to work uh, for his brother's uh, company. Uh, there's also, he could be uh, introduced uh, to Wes and Keith neighbors. Absolutely. And, you know, I've got friends that live over in Atlanta um, you know, one of them was a walk-on wide receiver that played at Alabama from 94 to 97, you know, under the, you know, the end of Coach Stallings regime, uh, you know, the first part of Dubose. He just got a million-dollar bonus, um, you know, working as a financial manager for Wells Fargo over in Atlanta. Um, and you bring up a great point about the, uh, you know, the neighbors, you know, wealth management group up there in Huntsville. I mean, that's certainly something to, you know, to, to consider. Um, but, you know, when I read that article about, um, the, the, you know, the White family, and I thought Greg Biggins did a great job of, of laying out, you know, how this decision is going to be made. And, and I thought the comments from, you know, the Princeton coaches were priceless. You know, they, they were trying to sell him on that, you know, that Ivy League stigma. And, you know, certainly that, that's a, a big deal as far as getting, you know, interjected into, the, you know, the Wall Street, uh, you know, mafia up there, you know, so to speak. But there, there's plenty of avenues for somebody to, you know, come get their, their bachelor's degree at, you know, at Alabama in Tuscaloosa under Nick Saban um, for the next four years. And, you know, you still got the opportunity if you want to to go somewhere else and get your bachelor's degree or an MBA. Um, you know, that's out there for everybody to capture. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, I think that that quarterback trigger for this class particularly um, is really not something that should be um, a focal point of this recruiting class. I think that, you know, keeping guys like Malik Langham or Bobby Brown at D-line or – you know, having the numbers where you can take, you know, a Patrick Sertain or an Eddie Smith or an Isaac Taylor Stewart is much more important. Uh, I agree, uh, because the defensive line and 
defensive backfield were going to be the focal points of this class. Uh, then Bobby Brown is committed, but as you mentioned, uh, we started the show. Uh, he is uh, perhaps visiting uh, Texas A&M unofficially this weekend. I know his mother is giving uh, positive vibes to the Alabama coaching staff that they are coming, but we know he's been committed to Texas A&M before. Alabama trying to work to get him back to Tuscaloosa. I uh, saw him at the Alabama National Championship Parade. As I said, he was massive, really passes the eye test. So I know he's a big-time priority. Malik Langham is a guy who they've offered uh, later in the process after his senior season, over 100 tackles, 11 sacks, uh, about 20 pressures this year for Lee High School, been one of the most red-hot prospects in the country. They tweeted out that he will, of course, sign, I think, around 2.30 p.m. on uh, Wednesday uh, at a signing ceremony at Lee High School. Sounds like the three finalists uh, are Alabama, the Florida Gators, and Auburn, who he's visiting officially this weekend. I've heard some whispers that Alabama, depending on how things fall, could maybe only sign one defensive lineman uh, in this class, and if they did, it would probably be Bobby Brown. I personally think they need to uh, sign both Brown and Langham because, William, you know they've missed on some defensive linemen down the stretch the last two years, and you never can't have enough quality ones. Uh, I definitely think Bobby Brown has a chance uh, within a year to be a big factor on that DL, and uh, I know you're very, very high on Malik Langham and uh, his potential. No, absolutely, and I think, you know, when you look at, you know, a recruiting class in general, you have to look at, you know, number one, obviously we're all, you know, guilty of being star-ridden, you know, signing those those four- and five-star guys. But, you know, I think when you look at what Alabama was approaching this class with, there was obviously two needs that stood out, the defensive line being one of them and, you know, the DB position being the other. And, uh, you know, I, I think if they can, you know, secure Bobby Brown and, and Malik Langham, certainly that shores up that, that thing. I think it would be a phenomenal D-line class um, to get those two guys to go along with who else they have. But, you know, again, I think that, you know, especially since Nick Saban, you know, is the guy that coaches the DBs, specifically the corners, every day in practice. Um, I do think that's something that you have to keep in mind and pay attention to. Um, I do think there is a desire there, um, you know, because Nick is a creature of habit and he does get greedy um, the closer it comes to National Signing Day. And I do think there is a, uh, a certainly a window of opportunity where if he can find a way uh, numbers-wise, with, with going back on other guys and, and saying, you know, hey, you've got a gray shirt, you've got a blue shirt, whatever. I do think there is a um, specific reason why you might see them take three DBs. Yeah, and it looks like they could, they could easily do that. Uh, one of them that uh, is very impressive, though, I know he's his, his star rating isn't what the others are, is Eddie Smith uh, from Salmon, Louisiana, the corner. Uh, he is a former TCU commitment, and I know you've talked about it on the show before, always believing in someone that was evaluated and offered by Gary Patterson. Uh, I, you know, uh, Nick Saban has turned up the heat on this young man. So has Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, so has uh, Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State. Their coaching staff has been coming after him hard. It seems that Alabama is getting a lot of buzz with him. He's shut down his recruitment. I like him uh, watching him on film, William. He's a tall kid, but moves very, very well. A great athlete. 
you know, he's, he's drawn comparisons to Eddie Jackson because of his size and athletic ability. And then, of course, his uh, situation, uh, you know, uh, with uh, maybe coming on late as a prospect. Uh, but Eddie Smith, I would be surprised at this time if he's not one of the three. No, I totally agree. I think, you know, regardless of all the, uh, you know, the, the good feelings and hoopla that are out there, um, you know, on the, on the national boards, you know, you see all these reports about, um, you know, Alabama making a move with, with you know, Patrick Sertain um, and then Tyson Campbell. Um, you know, the, the one source that I have on the Alabama coaching staff does not share the uh, the same optimism um, that you see on a, all these reports being, you know, I'm not saying that Tyson Campbell is not going to be a part of this class. I'm just saying as we sit here right now, um, you know, on a Thursday night at, at 645, um, what Alabama's coaching staff is trying to decipher through is that Tyson Campbell is telling the Alabama coaching staff, uh, the Georgia coaching staff, and the Miami coaching staff, where he's taking an official visit this weekend, he's telling all three of those staffs the same thing. Um, you know, Sertain is a little bit different. Um, th- there is growing optimism there that Alabama may have closed the gap with LSU. Um, you know, maybe Miami is a outlier there with him but most people that i've talked to um that have connections to the coaching staff feel like that's that the certain recruitment is down to um alabama and lsu you you can never you know count out Corey raymond i certainly don't um but but you know there's there's mixed signals being sent between uh the alabama coaching staff and the lsu uh, coaching staff on on certain uh, but, 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 you know, just weeding through this thing and looking at it from somebody that's been following this stuff since the late 80s, I would say there's a better chance that Sertain is in this recruiting class versus Tyson Campbell. And I, I do think Alabama right now bleeds for Sertain based on who I've been talking to. Tyson Campbell is uh, a true battle. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, there's, there, there doesn't seem to be anything definitive on him. Uh, though I will say it does seem that Georgia may not be as confident as they once were maybe a week or two ago. Uh, as you said, both those young men, Sertain and Campbell, will be visiting Miami this weekend. Sertain coming off a visit to Clemson. Uh, I've been hearing Nick Saban has been calling Sertain every day. Uh, he's an you know, extremely high-priority recruit, uh, somebody that could come in uh, and play uh, as a true freshman quickly. I know one staff member at Alabama believes Tyson Campbell is good enough. He could start – uh, the first game of his freshman year. So they definitely want those two guys. I've said it, uh, you know, for a couple of weeks now, when I mean, people ask me about the defensive backfield uh, recruits, that the top three targets are Sertain, Campbell, uh, and uh, and Eddie Smith. I think they'll get at least two of the three. Uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart is someone they're interested in, uh, but I don't think – I don't see him in this class right now. Could happen depending on uh, some other factors, but right now I would expect him maybe either USC or Texas A&M, uh, but uh, I, I just really think right now Alabama, they're they're really locked into that top three, but they're covering a lot of bases. We saw Jaleel Irvin go to Washington, though Alabama recruited him some, uh, and then 
Uh, we've seen them. They're also uh, involved with Elijah Griffin. Griffin, I believe, will stay on the West Coast at USC. So that's going to take care of that. And then another wild card, William, is an offensive lineman. You talked about it. Uh, the two names, Nicholas Petit-Friere of Tampa, Florida, and also uh, Panay Suel. Friere, right now, I think Alabama still feels like they're in their strong. Florida's battling, coming off his official visit this past weekend, and now he's headed to Ohio State uh, for his final visit. He's all already visited uh, Notre Dame and Michigan. But I know Brent Key has done a great job with this kid. Uh, so Petit Friere, uh, and as you've talked about how good you think he is on film, uh, about 272 pounds, but really, as you've all, you've already said on the show, uh, a redshirt year and 30 pounds away from being a first-round draft choice. Uh, so Alabama uh, would take, I think, Petit Friere, uh, regardless of the situation, if they could get him uh, this coming uh, Wednesday. No, I agree. I mean, he is um, he's a guy that, that, you know, he's an elite prospect. You know, he's 30 pounds away from being a, a first-round draft pick. Uh, three years outside of high school. Uh, but, but, you know, at the same time, Drew, um, you know, I, I think when you start looking at, you know, what, what everybody is predicting for this class, and, you know, Petit Pierre is certainly in play. Um, you know, this, is, this goes back to the recruiting board, you know, changing by the day this time of the year with, with Nick Saban. Um, you know, if they, you know, if Panay Sewell wanted to call uh, tomorrow and say I'm coming, they would take his commitment. But, you know, he is a guard. He's not a right tackle or a left tackle at the SEC level. Um, you know, that, that remains to be seen. And I think it all plays into, you know, the final numbers, which, which right now we're talking about eight. Um, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, me personally, I would rather see Alabama take, you know, the, the two D linemen and the three DBs versus, you know, these other guys on offense when you factor in that they're going to get you know, Jalen Waddle and Justin Ross at wide receiver. Um, I would rather them see, you know, taking those back end guys, you know, on the defense um, because that's where they're lacking. And, William, uh, you mentioned Jalen Waddle and Justin Ross. Uh, that We already know how good this uh, wide receiver group is that were freshmen this year. Henry Ruggs led the team in touchdown catches. Jerry Judy uh, showed, uh, you know, vast potential as a playmaker. Uh, we, we all believe uh, that, uh, that, that we, we see what you saw Devonta Smith, the clutch catches he made. Uh, he'll, you know, he will live in infamy for helping Alabama win the national championship, and they redshirted Terrell Shavers. When you take into account a freak like Jalen Waddle, and I know you've watched this film extensively like I have, uh, and then a big physical receiver like uh, Justin Ross, uh, that's just an embarrassment of riches uh, for Alabama. That'll be the most talented and deep wide receiver core, I think, in Tide history. Um, I'll tell you this about Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, regardless of where he's ranked <clears throat> on a national level, you know, with the recruiting guys. He's a five-star player. Um, you know, his, no his ability to, you know, when you watch his film, you know, you have to kind of take his film, you know, into context because there's a lot of white guys out there, you know, playing against him. And you understand that he's not playing the best competition. But when you watch it, um, it translates 
you know, to the SEC as this. He, he is a phenomenal slot wide receiver prospect um, that I would hope, you know, if he if he ends up signing with Alabama, that they can incorporate into the punt return, kick return game. Um, the guy's blazingly fast. Um, and, and I, you know, I want to see Alabama take uh, uh, Justin Ross, too, because he is a, you know, a back shoulder throw guy, a great athlete, you know, kind of like what Mike Williams was to Clemson um, two years ago. Um, but those those two guys are big-time football players. They are, and I don't think there's any question about it. And I'm also excited to see uh, what Coach Jeff Banks can do with Alabama's special teams. Everyone I've talked to raves about him, uh, and I think he's going to improve the, the uh, kick and punt return units. Uh, I, I, I've, may, I've been on record, and I'm going to stay with what I've said. I think Jalen Waddell, if you plug him in uh, to this Alabama – football team uh in uh, 2018 i think he will be the punt returner at game one i said it last year uh when alabama was kind of struggling with punt return even in the opener against florida state i told some people that the, the punt return for next year is in the stands watching and that was Jalen waddle uh, he's been very interested in alabama and i think uh, the rise of tua tonga vailoa has uh, you know really helped alabama down this stretch i think it's helped with justin ross as well uh, though I think, you know, Ross was also heavily considering uh, the Clemson Tigers. But I think those will be two huge pieces of the puzzle for Alabama. I'm like William. I, I think they should go with, uh, you know, uh, Malik Langham and Bobby Brown. Uh, that would be four. You've got to take Petit Freire if you can get him. Uh, that's five. It's not going to be easy. Uh, and personally, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't take a quarterback, though. I can understand, you know, if they if they get creative with the numbers and try to take nine uh, and then uh, – and then take three DBs. But, William, what we're also hearing is uh, they feel like they need to really take an inside linebacker. Uh, you know, they have uh, uh, they feel like they need at least one in the class. You talked about it at the start of our segment, uh, J.J. Peterson. They're continuing to recruit him hard. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt has him committed to Tennessee. Uh, Quay Walker, Hearing I've been hearing the last few days that Auburn has come in really strong on Quay Walker. His teammate, Big Cat Bryant, uh, you know, last year down the stretch and the last week into recruiting, Ended up uh, signing with the Auburn Tigers, uh, so he, he has a teammate there. Uh, and, and because of those two and the uncertainty, and then, as you said, uh, Big Vernon Jackson, he's committed to Alabama. Uh, personally, I've, I've wanted him in this class. I think he's an outstanding prospect. But I've wondered if he had a spot because of uh, some other factors going on. I wondered if Alabama would take a linebacker. If they do, uh, I personally think if you don't get Quay Walker, you should try to uh, cement Vernon Jackson. But I know Texas A&M, uh, feels very good about him. I think he's at TCU uh, this weekend. But they're also bringing in another prospect uh, this weekend, Alabama. We've seen Nick Saban kind of try to cover all bases uh, with a late offer, and he's offered Jalen Moody, uh, an, in- an inside backer prospect from South Carolina, who is uh, strongly considering uh, Arkansas and Ole Miss as well. Uh, your thoughts on what they might do at linebacker? You know, Drew, I, I think that you know, when you talk about J.J. Peterson, he's probably going to stick with uh, with Jeremy. And, and you got to look at it. Um, you know, he's had the longest relationship with him, you know, since he was an eighth grader. So, I, you know, I think that's, that, that's where he's going to stick. Um, as far as Quay Walker is concerned, you know, he's a guy that, 
you know, really bothers me as far as a guy that follows recruiting. Um, you know, he had an opportunity to, you know, cinch his recruiting up. Um, you know, now he's, you know, on the open market. You know, is it going to be Auburn? Is it going to be Georgia? Is it going to be um, Tennessee or Alabama? Um, you know, who really cares? To me, you know, what I'm focused in on, and I think this is what a lot of people that follow recruiting need to really look at, is, you know, a recruiting class is made up of, you know, 25 players. And you have to break that recruiting class down. If, you, if you're a coaching staff, you have to break that recruiting class down. And for Alabama, it always has been, you know, D-line and corners. And I think they've done a really good job, especially if, you know, Bobby Brown and Malik Langham, you know, stick. Um, they've done a really good job with the D-line. And I think that, you know, the back end on the defense, if they can get, you know, certain Eddie Smith and, you know, throw a dart out there, and, and it's Isaac, you know uh, Taylor Stewart. Um, I think that's a pretty damn good recruiting class. I think it is too, William. Uh, I think it'd be uh, an outstanding finish. And as I've said, I thought this class had a chance to be uh, top three uh, in the country, uh, in uh, in that would be the ceiling. And I still think, and that's very very solid when you think about how good. A group, Alabama, uh, and a good what a good roster Alabama has coming off a national championship. Uh, you you would only have Georgia and Ohio State in front of you, uh, and if you're Alabama, William, uh, and you have a chance to get somebody, if a Tyson Campbell does decide he wants to come, do you think it's uh, worth it to sign him? Maybe go over one to nine and sacrifice two scholarships, or do you think uh, Coach Saban would have a plan to to uh, get creative and get around that? No, I think if they've got an opportunity to sign Patrick Sertain, uh, Tyson Campbell, and Eddie Smith, you take that. No question about it. Uh, I agree. I think you take that and you roll with it, uh, no doubt about it, uh, for that to end that recruiting class. I I completely agree. Uh, And I think if you uh, can bring in three corners like that uh, to go along with Josh Job, Savion Smith, and Jalen Armour Davis, it would be probably the top uh, group of secondary prospects uh, in uh, the country uh, for Alabama. And as you said, Bobby Brown and Malik Langham would be huge pieces of the puzzle uh, to go along with Stephon Wynn, uh, Jerez Parks, and Christian Barmore on that defensive line. Barmore, of course, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is just a monster, a guy that uh, really came on in his recruitment in Alabama, was able to identify him and get him locked in. And if you could pair him with Bobby Brown, and I know Tosh Lupoy is looking forward to doing that, uh, that the University of Alabama would be uh, just uh, supremely excited about their recruiting class and the efforts there, no doubt about it. Uh, But uh, I know uh, we'll we'll be following it very closely uh, in the coming days, uh, and and the next several days will be very interesting uh, up to National Signing Day, the dead period. Uh, but I know you have talked about that. It starts Sunday at midnight. Is that correct? Yes. So the dead period will start uh, this Sunday following uh, the official visits. Uh, no question about it. But uh, we uh, we are looking forward to 
following that and just seeing uh, the recruiting class. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go on record myself. Uh, I think uh, I, you know I, I'm I, 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 William has uh, is predicted Brevin White to be in this recruiting class. I'm not ready to do that yet, even though I'm, I'm like him. I would not be surprised uh, if it if it did because I think it's interesting that it's taken this long for him to kind of make a decision. Uh, and I do think uh, that uh, it'll be either him or Brock Purdy at the quarterback spot. Uh, I've been in the last, I, I was uh, positive or uh, felt strongly about Purdy several days ago, but White has picked up momentum. Uh, but I think it'll be either Brevin White or they might not take a quarterback in this class. Uh, but I agree with William completely uh, on the, the defensive line. Uh, Malik Langham and Bobby Brown, I felt like that for a while. I, I believe uh, uh, Ross and uh, and uh, excuse me and uh, Jalen Waddle will be the wide receiver prospect. I think they're going to find a way to hold on to Nicholas petit Friere, uh, but that is not going to be easy. Going to be interested to see how he uh, feels about his visit uh, to Ohio State this weekend. Uh, but I, I'm going to predict Friere to be in the class. Uh, sounds like they're going to they're going to take a linebacker. So would they take a Jalen Moody uh, if he has an outstanding visit? I do think it's possible. I talked to an Arkansas source today who felt like that the Hogs thought they were in a strong position. But if he visits Alabama, he could be a dark horse. Though I wouldn't you know discount Vernon Jackson just yet. Uh, so I think one of those two would likely be uh, the the linebacker in the class. And then I do think Patrick Sertain and Eddie Smith join the class. I'm not quite ready uh, to give up on Tyson Campbell. I still think there's an opportunity there, but it would not surprise me in the end if he did end up at Georgia. But I think Alabama is battling hard, and I think you got to give Joe Panunzio, who's likely to move off the field soon for the University of Alabama, a lot of credit for putting them in position with those two guys. He did yeoman's work and uh, really deserves special mention, uh, even if he does move off the field, maybe to the role Bobby Williams vacated, going to the University of Oregon. Or, uh, you know, Ed Marionowitz, who, from what I understand, may be working for Jimmy Sexton and his organization. So uh, that, that, I think those are the names that I, I would watch closest for the final eight. Uh, I do think uh, if you have a finish like that, Alabama is going to be top three, perhaps number two in the country. And I think it's going to be very strong. And so William and I are in the same boat in a lot of ways uh, for the finish uh, to this recruiting class. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, but we, uh, we hope you've enjoyed our uh, BAM's radio episode tonight, kind of taking a look at this recruiting class. Uh, next week, uh, we will, we're going uh, we're gonna to come to you. We, we may have a little bit of a different schedule uh, because our, our, our guy, Thomas Watts, is going to be very busy. It's Mardi Gras coming up in uh, Mobile. So but we are going to record an episode and kind of take a look back at the recruiting class. Uh, we look forward to kind of breaking it all down and, and really talking about our favorites in this group. Uh, and William Redfish Barger will be with us, uh, of course, as well myself and uh, Thomas Watts. But we thank you for listening to BAMS Radio tonight. We hope you enjoyed our episode, and we hope you continue to follow uh, the end of this recruiting class closely. Uh, you know, hopefully the Alabama Crimson Tide can bounce back on the basketball court this weekend in Gainesville. Uh, we didn't really talk about it a lot tonight, but I covered the game against Missouri uh, last night. Not a good effort uh, by Avery Johnson and his group. A uh, young team without, without a lot of senior leadership, and it showed. Uh, they kind of, I think, were sowing their oats from that uh, big win uh, at home over Oklahoma in front of a raucous crowd. It was a dead environment last night. Alabama didn't play with a lot of energy, and they lost to Quanzo Martin's scrappy Missouri Tigers. Uh, and it's a damaging loss. It doesn't end their NCAA tournament hopes. Uh, and I know that there's, they've taken a lot of criticism, but I think with the nine games left, they've got the second half of their SEC schedule. 
They've still got a chance to play their way into the NCAA tournament, uh, but it's not going to be easy. Five road games, four home games against high-quality opponents. Alabama is going to have to really pick it up uh, if uh, this young group, if they want to make the NCAA tournament. Going to be very interested to see how they respond in Gainesville uh, coming up this Saturday and uh, look forward uh, to, fo- to, to following uh, this basketball program. But we thank you for joining BAMS Radio tonight. Everybody uh, will be coming to you next week, wrapping up National Signing Day. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week. I'm for for, uh, William Redfish Barger and Thomas Watts. I'm your host, Rudy Armand. Good night and roll tide.